The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 49. This is Writing Excuses. What do I do with this thing now? Fifteen minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. And we have special guest star Daniel Jose Older. Hi, everybody. And we are on the Writing Excuses cruise. Daniel has been super nice to join us on the podcast. He has been here instructing all week and doing a fantastic job of it. Um, we are going to now talk about the submission process. This is the last month of our master course on writing a story, and now we're going to talk about what you do with that thing. You've revised it. You've slaved over it. Now it's time to try to get somebody to give you money for it. So let's talk people through this. Um, how did each of us start submitting our first stories, and what did we do wrong, and what did we do right with those first stories? So my first stories, I started submitting, um, and I, I was I was very timid, and mm-hmm. so I went to low paying markets. Okay. Um, and and I love the market that I sold to. My first one was the first line, and they were great. But the second story that I sold to them, I realized after I sent it in that I could have probably sold it someplace else. And then that point was driven home when an editor at one of the big three said, hey, I really liked your story. I would have published it. (laughs) And I was like, so one of the things to do is always start at the top of your list, the the places you want to submit most, because you'll think I'm a new writer and no one cares that you're a new writer. That's not a problem. It's just the story they care about. That's right. Yeah, I want to echo that because I certainly, I I had someone from Tor.com come up to me and be like, you know, where were these stories when I was looking for stories? And I was like, I was submitting them to smaller places. I said it in that voice, too. (laughs) (laughs) And so they ended up reprinting something from Salsa Nocturna, which was really cool and also made me, you know, retroactively kick myself in a time lapse kind of way. Um, And also, I would say, don't take uh, feedback from editorials uh, editors as far as rejections or acceptances as necessarily editorial feedback that is mm. it's not about your writing 
uh, often. Sometimes it is, but you actually can't know necessarily unless they're really giving you, which is a good thing if they're giving you a lot of actual feedback. Um, you need to rely on your beta readers for that. If you're relying on editors to find out how good your work is, you're going to be miserable and think that your work sucks all the time. Most of the time, it's more about the publication than the work itself. Yeah, and the other thing about that is that if you are relying on editors to give you feedback and you're sending out something that you know isn't ready, you've just blown that market. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, well, what he means by that, that um, you know, it, it's often about the publication more so than the writing, is that maybe the publication already has a story about purple koala robots. And so they don't need your purple koala robot story. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or maybe they've already got a novella and so they don't need your novella, although your novella is perfectly awesome and they would publish it if it were a different issue. So you can never be certain why they're rejecting it. So just assume that it's, you know, some really complimentary reason and keep submitting it somewhere else. I would also say don't sleep on the semi-pros. Having just said, you know, shoot for the top of your list, don't feel yeah. like disappointed that you're being po- you oh, know, yeah. pubbed in the semi-pros because they're amazing. They do, sometimes they can get away with things that the upper, you know, pros can't and they open up a lot of opportunities. It's great to be published. I was published on a Tumblr blog, you know, when I was just starting out and that was awesome because you're starting mm-hmm. to get yourself out there. People hear about you that wouldn't, that's where Salsa Nocturna came from, was publishing in semi-prose, and it got me a lot. You know, and I would far. say, you know, when we say start at the top of your list, that means, you know, make a list, and you can put magazines that you read and love, even at, you, don't, you don't have to just look at what's going to pay the most. You look at where you would most like to be published and start mm-hmm. at the top of that and work your way down. Because um, I know lots of stories that I'd be like, this would be perfect for this magazine that I've enjoyed reading. And maybe it doesn't pay 25 cents a word, like tour.com or whatever, Mm -hmm. but that's where I want the story to be. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say also, you know, as as a slight counter to this, my first publication was in a very small market. Um, You know, kind of like you said, you were first published on a Tumblr blog. Mm -hmm. And while I didn't get any real prestige or money out of that, it was a huge confidence boost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Huge. You need those little victories along the way. Yeah, which is which is one reason to not give up on you know to to not avoid the small presses yeah. is that sometimes you do just you mm-hmm. you just want that thing that is with your name on it and people are reading it. Um, I prioritize based on three criteria, and where I am in my career and and actually varies. Uh, so it's it's difficult for us to say you should submit to this place. But um, what you should look at is um, the three criteria are money, size of audience, and how shiny it is. <laughs> um, money is pretty obvious. Yep. Um, how much does it pay? Um, the size of the audience is useful because that helps build your audience. The shiny is very, very personal. It's magazines that you personally want to appear in. Something is, sometimes, you know, as Brandon says... I'll submit to a magazine because I want to be in that or an anthology because I want to I want to publish something with that editor, not because it's going to have a huge audience or because I'm going to p- get paid a lot, but because I'm, you know, I'm a fangirl of Ellen Datlow. I will submit to anything <laughs> that she she is editing. So sometimes it's just they have beautiful production design. Sometimes it's just I want a publication. Mm-hmm. And so you just need to you have to know yourself where you prioritize there was a point in my life where a major source of income was my writing. Not because writing was, I was making so much money at writing, but because I was making so little money at other things. <laughs> right. um, and, and at that point, I had to prioritize money. Mm. 
Um, and other times where I am right now, I tend toward, to, to lean towards size of audience. Let's cut in here. Um, we could talk more about this, but I want to move on to novels because each of us have published novels, and I want to talk about you know, our, the submission process for our novels. How did that go about when you were a new writer? Oh, mine is not a good example. Okay, well, <laughs> it seems like I once had somebody <laughs> tell me that um, it feels like the industry watches every way that someone breaks in. And as soon as you break in, they welcome you in, then find out how you got in and shut that shut door because they don't want anyone, any other scrubs sneaking <laughs> in that way. And so everyone's publication story you'll find is different um, in some way. So I, briefly, right. it'd still be interesting to hear. All right. So my publication story goes like this. I wrote Shades of Milk and Honey during NaNoWriMo. And an agent that I also knew uh, socially – um, because we were in a, 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 a codex, writers. Uh, she was reading along, and when I finished, she said, I'd like to offer you representation. And I had some red flags, but I was like, yes, agent. And she could talk the talk about the story and the markets, and so I submitted it to her. She, We signed, uh, and she sat on the novel for a year without sending it out to anyone. Um, there were a number of conversations uh, I should have left sooner. Uh, I left, um, and I consulted with some friends of mine whose agents had been doing well for them and said, so this is my situation. And um, Jay Lake said, well, you should totally submit this to my agent, Jennifer Jackson. Um, and then and then from there, it's more or less the, the okay. standard thing, which is I submitted it. I submitted a query. Um, I was allowed to jump the query line because... Jay had recommended me, right? Um, but uh, but I had I still had to submit a query, and uh, then she requested a full, and then she offered me representation, and I've been very happy since then. Uh, I will say the thing to learn from mine is that a the wrong agent is worse than no agent. Um, yeah, definitely. I would one hundred percent agree with that. Uh, I sold without an agent, as kind of proof of this. I. Researched the publishers directly, found the ones that would take on agent submissions. Um, and we, I've told this story, I think, on the podcast before. Dan and I started going cons, cornering all the editors that worked at these various um, publishers. Uh, started talking to them, um, networking with them. Eventually, they would start saying, yes, go ahead and send me three chapters and, or a query or whatever. And we would send those. And we just did that for like three or four years until one of them started buying our books. I, I want to say something really fast about what he said about unaged mm -hmm. submissions. Most of the, th the the guidelines actually say unsolicited manuscripts. Yeah. And this is an important side door that you can get in because mm -hmm. you can totally send them a query letter with no pages attached to it. And you can also, um, that unsolicited is an important part. If you are part of the con, going to cons and things like that, which you don't, right. absolutely do not have to do. But if you are and you meet an editor and they say, yeah, that, look, that sounds interesting, send me some, send me whatever, they, they'll say send me three chapters, then it's solicited. Um, and then any, all the, the doors are open. You just write requested material in the subject line and you send it to them the next day. Mm. My story is actually a perfect combination between the two mm. of yours because I started out unagented, uh, wrote Shadow Shaper in like a flurry in a couple months, really excited, submitted it to Arthur E. Levine, Cheryl Klein at Arthur E. Levine, where you don't need to have an agent. Um, and then, you know, sat back and waited <laughs> and started new <laughs> projects. But in the meantime, tried to find an agent, um, got rejected at least 40 times, uh, found an agent who I didn't work well with, who didn't work well with me for very similar reasons, 
left that agent. I fully agree. No agent is way better than uh, an agent that you're not working well with or that's not working well with you. Um, and I was very happy that day that I walked out. I was like, this is awesome, even though I had been looking for a long time and then I found one and then I left. It's kind of like a really great breakup. You're just like, <laughs> hey, I'm free in a weird kind of scary way. Um, and I didn't have an agent for another year after that, but I knew that I was on the right path. Um, meanwhile, Shadow Shaper was moving through the very slow machinery and even slower, I think, from being unagented probably um, of, you know, acquisitions. Um, I actually did an edit on it before um, they took it to the full acquisitions committee. And but, you know, it was scholastic and I was really excited and it, it was great. So that and the editorial notes felt really right from Cheryl from Jump. So I decided to move with that. And the, um, my, ad, my agent now, Eddie Schneider at Jabberwocky, actually came through and agreed to work with me. And we signed the exact same week that Scholastic finally was like, yes, we're ready. And so everything happened at the same time. And I sort of like shot up into the sky like a firework and exploded, technically, metaphorically, whatever. <laughs> and um, that, yeah, that's how it happened. Daniel, did you do much um, networking? beforehand or um, just sending out you calls? You had a pretty big social media presence. But not when I was just starting. Now, now this is 2009, so I okay. really knew on Twitter. And, yeah, so in, in in small ways, but I don't think I went to my first con until 2011 or 12. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. so you you basically submitted cold, and it worked. Yeah, I never and met Cheryl. Yep, it still works to submit cold into yep. the, the um But it took a long, it took until this year for it to actually come out. Mm. So that's how, and I think it got accepted officially in 2012. Okay. So, you know. Now, Mary said that her story was a bad example. Mine is a fantastic bad example because I found my editor when Brandon Sanderson sent my book to him. So, <laughs> reproduce that, audience. Um, but, no, you know, don't. Brandon and I more or less have the same story because we were doing all this networking together. Uh, Brandon sold to uh, our, our then mutual editor right off, and I sold you know, three or four years later. Uh, The interesting part about my story, though, is that with an offer on the table from Tor, I was still rejected by three agents. Mm -hmm. And that's a a time when a rejection is a really happy thing because these were people who turned down real money because they wanted, they weren't as invested in the book as I was. I wouldn't have wanted an editor who would just jump on the easy money. And so... All of my networking up to that point had been for fantasy because I thought I was a fantasy writer. And so I'd met all of these agents and all these editors who worked in fantasy. And then I sold a horror novel and they're like, well, gee, Dan, what are, you, what are we supposed to do with this thing? So it, it can be very good to be rejected sometimes because Absolutely. that just means that you haven't found the right person yet. Yeah. Hey, writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Let's stop here for our book of the week. Our book of the week is actually the Half Resurrection Blues. Hey, I get to talk about it you now? You get to talk about half it. Half Resurrection Blues. Half Resurrection Blues is about Carlos de la Cruz, who's half dead and half alive, wandering around Brooklyn doing the dirty work for the Council of the Dead, which is the sprawling bureaucracy of death. And whenever they have a situation that they don't really know what to deal with, they send Carlos in to handle it because he can past, so to speak, in, in the sense of he goes into the living realm and he's cool with living people. Dead people are cool with him. He's friends with everybody. But he has to kill people, so that sucks. <laughs> and basically he uh, falls in love with the wrong person, who's the sister of one of the people he's supposed to kill. And he's like, I must find her. But it, after, in the guy's dying breath, he's like, please protect my sister from the Council of the Dead. And Carlos is like, damn, can I swear? He's like, yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like, I will do this. I will find her. I will protect her from myself, and then I will ask her out. <laughs> and that is the beginning of Half Resurrection Blues. Oh, wow. So that is written by Daniel Jose Older and narrated by Daniel Jose Older. So if you are listening to his wonderful voice here and thinking, man, I, I, could, I want eight to ten more hours of this. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Then go to audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Uh, start a 30-day free trial, download Half Resurrection Blues by Daniel Jose Older, and enjoy yourself. Indeed. And the sequel, Midnight Taxi Tango, is coming out in January. So let's, um, let's talk about this list. We've mentioned the list a couple of times of places where we would submit. Now, it seems like we a little bit more haphazarded it into things, um, but I haven't mentioned my list. I did have a, a, a list for novels. Um, where I was submitting, and this was, you know, it started with Tor and Daw, and then Ace, and then moved down into the, the, like, the next string of publishers, and then the next string of publishers, and after that, I stopped submitting. I had, like, three strings. So I did create this list, um, like you probably would do, like you do with short fiction. Um, In fact, I did that with short fiction, too. So how did you find the places that you submit, wanted to submit to? How can they make a list like this? So I I also had a list... um Ready for ready to go with with the agents before I went down my own special path. Um, the way I came up with the list for agents was that I went to the bookstore and I looked at books 
that were books that I liked to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I thumbed into the acknowledgments to see who their agents were. And if they didn't thank their agent, I figured there was a problem there. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I made a list of agents um, from that. It was actually just one trip to the bookstore. And then I went online and looked at those agents to see what they actually represented. Because sometimes, sometimes you will have an agent who has like this one oddball client, which is right. the one that you love, and they don't represent anything like that. Um, or they don't accept any new, you know, they're not taking on new clients. So I went and uh, and then I prioritized it based on that, like who and I And you went to their websites, found out what their submission guidelines were, and went mm-hmm. from there. Yep. Mm-hmm. Pretty similar story. Um, uh, with Shadow Shaper, it was, like I said, it was literally just, that was the one that I found that accepted non-agented submissions. That's the only one I sent to. It was also that it was, I, I was thinking a lot about Harry Potter when I wrote Shadow Shaper, kind of like Harry Potter meets The Wire, um, which every book should be, really. Um, <laughs> And so that, that it was really wonderful happenstance that Arthur E. Levine, which is the part of Scholastic that handled Harry Potter, was also open to submissions. Um, with Half Resurrection Blues, that was mainly my agent, you know, with his list and figuring things out. I will say real quick that I think there's a sort of common idea that, you know, you, you, you both with magazines and with uh, publishers, you know, read some of their stuff, definitely do that and understand what they're about. But I would caution against fully, you know, crossing someone off the list just because they don't necessarily mm. do that genre. Because they, when I was trying to publish um, most of the stories that turned into Salsa Nocturna, there was, it was very hard to find urban fantasy short fiction online. There wasn't a lot. Most people weren't publishing it. Um, I'm sure it was out there, but I wasn't seeing it. But I kept submitting to places and getting rejected. But eventually people were like all right, well, this is a good story, so we're going to publish it. And, you know, all that to say that it, things will change sometimes, and you can't start shortening your list dramatically just because it might not look that way right now. You know, be careful with it. Don't, you know, that doesn't mean just shotgun your stuff out there or machine gun your stuff out there, but uh, don't be shortening your list needlessly. Yeah, don't don't pre-reject is what we say. Right, yeah. yes, that's exactly Well, right. and I kind of ran into that problem be, just by the nature of the networking that we were doing very early on. You know, I was going to World Fantasy and Worldcon and all these others, which meant I wasn't submitting to any of the publishers that don't typically go to those. Mm. So Tor and Ace and Daw and, you know, Bane, that kind of stuff, and yet... Partials, that's out from HarperCollins, and it had never occurred to me that I should be submitting to HarperCollins because they never went to Worldcon. So I I think I kind of artificially narrowed my audience in a way that I shouldn't have in those early stages because I kind of had blinders on and was thinking purely of convention networking. And so, I mean, and you can get around that as well by networking at, at different and larger conventions and going or networking online. Mm-hmm. A lot of editors and agents have blogs now, yes. and uh, this and is Twitter. a good way. And Twitter, yep. Um, we are actually out of time. Um, I want to uh, sign some homework, but first, I'm going to warn you: when we come back to submissions, we're actually going to do the Q and A episode first. So, the last episode of the season will actually be a different topic from this. I wanted to prepare our listeners for that. Your homework is to make this list. Um, the thing that you've written, whether it be flash fiction or a novel, um, and anything in between, I want you to go and research markets, find similar stories, find stories you have loved, um, that share some elements, whether it be length or whether it be thematic content or whatever, and find out where those were published and then find out who the editors are, the, what the submission process is like, uh, what their website looks like, all of these things and make your list that is going to kind of be your your battle plan for getting this thing published. 
This has been Ryan Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.